Hello, and welcome to Order Within, navigating a world of endless chaos and crisis. Many of us are experiencing inner turmoil, insecurity, anxiety, fears, and isolation. These feelings are only being amplified by news cycles, social media, and never-ending political madness. How do we find our way out of the chaos? How do we find strength within ourselves? How do we find meaning in a world driven by materialism? These questions and many more I aim to answer on the show. My goal is to be a trusted guide on your journey to selfhood. May you find what you seek. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Brandon Ward, back with another episode of Order Within. Got a great guest today. Very excited to dive in deep into the, the quantum emotional world. I have an excellent guest, Alan Phillips. He's a life and business coach. Alan helps successful business leaders and accomplished entrepreneurs liberate themselves from exchanging ceaseless stress for fulfillment so they can live and lead a life they love, finding inner peace and quality time with themselves and their loved ones. Alan, I got to say, I love that mission statement, my friend, and I'm excited to have you on the show. So welcome. Thank you so much, Brandon. This is really a great opportunity. Thank you so much for giving, for opening the space and inviting me. It's fantastic. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, we had a we had a good chat about a week or so ago. Talked a little bit about your work, some of your background, and as you know, Order Within focuses really on the the inner world and our inner world. We live in a very chaotic world, so the idea is is creating order within ourselves so we can become you know the best version of who we are and and really reach a level of self-mastery over life. And that, that means a lot of different things for a lot of different people. I think I got a good bit of entrepreneurs and, and business owners that listen to the show, people that are just trying to really get the most out of their life, not necessarily business owners, but people that want to level up. So I, I think with your background, knowing that you've got over 20 plus years of experience, I mean, you've, your, your empath work and everything has really gone from a very young age, which we're going to talk a little bit about. But just your experience, your background, I'm hoping we can create some value for the audience here and, and dive in. So what do you say? You want to get started? Yeah, that's fantastic. Let's do it. I hope that everything we share today is, being, is of value for your audience. Anyone listening to this can get the most out of it. I love it. I feel the same. Well, Alan, so let's talk briefly a little bit about kind of what you got into the world that you're in. And, you know, when we talked about it, you were empath at a very young age. So maybe you can give the, the, our audience a little story on, on how you came to be and what, where, what kind of got you to where you are now, if that, if that works. Sure. Thank you. Uh, I'm a natural and very powerful empath. I am able to feel emotional patterns from the people that I engage with in any kind of relationship. So I pick up really fast where uh, if there's congruency between what you're saying and what you're feeling. See, mm -hmm. every emotion behind every, uh, every human action, whether it be what we're talking, what we're doing, there's always an emotion that gives it meaning, right? It's not the words we're saying, it's the tone in which we're saying them or the space between the words that give meaning to what we're saying. Mm. It's not the actions that we're doing, it's the language that we're transmitting with the movement of our body, right? That transmit mm. the meaning of how we're doing it. So in many ways, it's the unseen components, the unseen of, our, components. of our assets. Exactly. And there's always an emotion behind it that gives it meaning. Even the words that we use have to do with the way we feel. So from a really long, a young age, I had to learn to value, understand, and trust what I felt as a center mm. point of my existence. Whereas we're going to school, they teach us to pay attention in what we think, 
right? Mm. Mm -hmm. For me as an empath, everything that called my attention was always emotions, right? So they would, people would think I was like dispersed, that I wasn't able to pay attention, but I was really paying attention to the meaning of everything that was going on, not to the thoughts well, that were being expressed to me, but what, what was creating those thoughts. Mm. So it was really and, hard and to, Alan, we're kid, to express that was really hard. So I was really misunderstood. Well, you were, and this was probably before ADD and ADHD was even really a thing yet, right? It was so, called hyperactivity. <laughs> right, exactly. And it, so it was lumped into behavioral problems or challenges, right, for you as a, as a young person that you had to navigate. Because to your point, most people are thinking about things logically. You need to listen to instructions, do what you're told, think of with your head. What, what, is, what is Alan? What are you doing? What, what is all this? What are you talking about the unseen feelings and things that you're describing? <laughs> exactly. So as they're telling me, focus on this, what you have to do, I'm focusing in what the person that is telling me the instructions feeling. Mm. And I get like, okay, she's telling me to do this, but she's not feeling it. Or she's feeling completely like she's feeling stressed while she's telling me to be calm. <laughs> How? <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, well, so did, did that create problems? And this is, I don't want to get ahead of you, but I imagine that as a child, cause you were like seven when you discovered, right? When well, we talked, I think it was, that was roughly. Roughly that was like when people started saying, okay, Alan reacts differently to life. Mm, yeah, got it. So very, very young, but I imagine that there was probably a lot of challenges with authority and, and how you, and cause I would, if you're, if you're feeling something different from what somebody's telling you, then you're, you're instantly kind of picking and leaning into hypocrisy. So you probably, as a child, that hypocrisy may have been challenging, I would imagine. Not a hypocrisy. I would call it more like really, because you're feeling what the other person is feeling is more of empathy, empathy mm. and trying to understand and being compassionate about what they're feeling. And you lean more into that. Right. Mm. And as you lean more into that, people get nervous. People get like, why are you dealing with my feelings? Right. You're my feelings. Don't touch my feelings. Just do as you're told. Mm. And that, that poses a challenge as a kid, you're naive about it. Right. So you just follow what you're feeling. A lot of people that are listening to us, if they're empaths, they pretty much can relate to what I'm saying. Right. And you lean into it from a compassionate point of view, because you understand what the other person is feeling. Yet the other person might not be so comfortable with that. And there comes rejection. So some empaths tend to go way deep in and stop showing their empathy and they cage themselves from reality that can evolve mm -hmm. to a whole other set of disorders, right? Mm. Right. Some other empaths say, oh, I can pick on this up so much. I can become a leader because I know that what I feel I can transmit. Right. Mm. And at a very young age, I was guided by my father to really trust in what I felt. Right. And that. That's a blessing, huh? That was a having, having your father that's to help. That's yeah. the biggest blessing of my life because by trusting what I felt, I was able to tell a difference between what were my feelings and other people's feelings. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't get confused and I would be able to respect my feelings and other people's feelings as well. Even if I was empathic to theirs, to their feelings, it took some time, of course. Right. <laughs> but by the age of 19, probably I had mastered much of my emotional empathy. 
through personal development courses, uh, meditation, transcendental meditation, energy healing, and close to 30 to 40 different courses like that. At that time, I really got into more the, okay, how can what I know or what my experience been be of service to others? Because mm-hmm. that was also a way for me to feel accepted. I became the super helper, right? If I'm different and people notice I'm different, I won't be accepted. But if I'm the helper, everyone, everyone wants help. So that was my inner conflict that drove me coming to coaching. I studied law, so I thought that was the way I wanted to help through helping people get through the legal conflicts. But then I understood that what I really wanted was help people solve those conflicts before they got to a legal point of view. So So addressing the inner world, right? Addressing that within themselves. And Alan, it's interesting that you were initially thinking about law when that's most people would consider the legal field and the law field probably the opposite, almost very opposite ends of the spectrum of of emotions and and empathy and the work you do now. Yeah. By the time, by that time, by the age of 19, I was able to express my emotions in a very clear way. Mm -hmm. So I would naturally go into debates or go, I was always like looking for justice, right? I would be able to notice who was hurting and why they were hurting. And I was like, I would like to defend and help those, those people mm-hmm. because I could understand. So that drew me, drew me into the world of law and drew me also into the world of, I was interested in, in international relationships, international relations, relations, the UN, trying to help basically was like, everything was about how can I help? Right. And uh, the driver in me was one certain degree at that time, acceptance, feeling accepted and at the other part, giving purpose to what I knew and how I could really help because of how I understood emotional patterns. When I finished law school, I got to understand a little bit more of my need to be accepted. And I worked through that. And now I stepped, I started to step more into purposeful action with my experience. And I understood law as the nervous system of society. So that gave me a lot of basis of how to handle myself outside of myself as well. So it was, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a really, was a real blessing to study it because I could, I got to understood the, the, um, in our world, there's always the should be and the be, right? The way mm. people believe things should be and they desire it to be. So that gave me also very wide scope of society and that together with the emotional patterns that I was able to pick up, I got to understand a lot about how people were thinking and what they feared and what they wanted. So I started a practice to solve the, the emotional conflicts by mediation. Not, it didn't take long till that transformed into coaching without me even knowing so. Right. I didn't, I mm-hmm. just, then I figured out that there was something called coaching and I was like, oh my God, I, this is exactly what I'm doing. I was applying um, the Socratic method by asking questions so that I could empower my clients to come up with their own solutions or with their own points of view or with their own perspectives and make purposeful decisions. And that evolved. And as that evolved, I understood that this is what I love doing. When I saw the world coaching, I was like, wow, I want to jump into this right away. I'm also an entrepreneur. I love being an entrepreneur and doing social entrepreneurship. So I started working with Mayan communities in the Riviera Maya, working with Honey. I was always into different cultures. I traveled a lot. I was a volunteer in Angola, in Africa. 
And it was all about understanding millenary cultures for me for a long time and understanding their view of the world and how that was more humane, more towards the, the deeper relationship with oneself and one another than the doing relationship that we have in our society. Mm. You know, in, in our society, we're more of human doings than human beings. We believe that if we don't do, we don't get to where we want to go or experience what we desire. So we're always thinking about what to do. Whereas millionaire cultures are more in touch with human being. And by being, they receive the experience of life and then get inspired to do according to what they are. So mm. understanding that also gave me a wider perspective of how to better serve my clients, understand who they are and what they really desire and how to bring about that experience in their life. So it was like bringing two worlds together and that meeting yeah. of two worlds pretty much created my practice until... Wow. So it's, it's emotions and the legal world, the world of law. And you said something earlier, you said that the, the, the law industry or field is the nervous system of humanity. I'd love for you to kind of explain, expand well, on that a little bit. Well, what you mean? It's a oh, society, yes. It's the legal because every, every act that you want to make public must go through that legal system. So that it's just like our nerves, like our nervous system. Every act mm. that we have will go, have to go through the nervous system so that your body is aware of it. So mm. society as a body has a legal system to understand what is possible and available, basically. Interesting. I love that concept. Well, cause it's, it's, I think. To me, Alan, as well, like for us to progress as a society and to grow as a species, we have to learn to integrate all these various aspects of our society. And, and as much as we may feel negative towards the legal structures, it, it's, it's important that we have structure in our society, laws that are, are honored and followed. They have to be enforced as well. We have, to, we have to believe in those systems to make sure that we all can feel good about it. But Without that, I know the idea of anarchy, I think, is somewhat appealing to some people, but <laughs> I prefer some structure to where we all have guidelines to operate within, I think it's but a, then expand. It's a matter of perspective. See, you can see the legal system as something that is enforcing you certain, certain behaviors, right? In which for you to be able to express whatever you want in life and to respect what other, what others want to express in life. But that may feel like a bit constraining to what you're allowed to do, if you want to call it mm. like that. Or you can look at it from a perspective of purpose, right? And by understanding that nervous system, right, be able to give purpose to whatever it is that you want to express and share with society. Mm. In a so way, by understanding and in, deepening it, you can... In a way that society is aware of what you're doing, like creating a business. Yeah. You need to get a license. So everyone's like, oh, I need to get a business license. What a burden, right? Mm. Well, if you don't get a business license, people can't search your business. Look at it that way, right? You want yep. people to be aware of your business, right? You want people to know that you are, that they can trust your business, right? So if you look at it from that perspective, you're like, yeah, let's go get a business license so that people can trust my business. I'm a licensed business. Mm. So it's a difference of perspective. And that, and that perspective's everything, isn't it? That perspective has to do with, him, with how you, what you feel about what you're doing. Mm. And that creates your life experience. 
take it to a relationship, right? The perspective you have with a relationship, let's say with your girlfriend, right? Or with your significant other, right? If it's about you and what that person is making you feel, you will react to everything that that person does, right? Positively or negatively, you will be the victim of that relationship. Mm. But if it's about the other, your significant other, then you'll be responding towards what you desire to feel with that person. Very different approaches, right? Very different approaches. And, and the, all, and what, it's just a perspective shift, isn't it? That's the. At the end of the day, whatever you're giving your attention as the essential thing that you're giving your attention to, everything else will be related deductively or inductively as incidental. So mm. whatever it is that you're focusing in will be the essential. And you will relate your life experience to that as incidental. Mm. From that point of focus. Interesting. Now, and for you, make, Alan, that's a lot of the work you do in your coaching practice, isn't it? Is is I bring emotions into the essential part, so that mm. thoughts become incidental to emotions, but emotions that you choose to feel, not that you're a reaction to. So I help my clients transform their mindset and actually be able to feel. I'll teach mm. my client how to feel. Everyone is out there teaching you how to think and control your thoughts. Yep. Thoughts and emotions cannot be controlled, right? Mm. Can be chosen. And choice is a skill. Mm. It's something that you can develop. What I teach and coach my clients is how to develop the skill of choice so they can choose what they desire to feel to inspire the thoughts that they desire to, to create and then follow up with behaviors that reinforce what, they, what they're feeling and the thoughts they created to get the results they're looking for mm. in life. And, and that, so Al, and that's great because there's, there's a lot to unpack in that. The way, and honestly, in a lot of the work that you do is kind of like wizardry to me in the world that we live in, in the sense of everything is so logically driven. And I relate to a lot of your work because I've always been very empathic as well. Not, I don't think to like in not at the same level that you're describing, but I've always been a deep feeler and I struggled growing up as a child in, in blue collar West Virginia where boys don't feel they, you know, it's you do your thing. What are you talking cry. about feelings? Yeah. Exactly. This whole, but I was, I've always had more of a poet's heart, a poet's soul in a lot of ways. It doesn't mean I don't love the physicality and being a man and whatever, but that's always been a huge part of what I was. And reconciling those things can be very tough in our society. Mm -hmm. And so for you, Alan, it sounds like a lot of the work that you're doing is, is helping people because we don't disregard our minds, right? Our minds can be very powerful instruments and tools and because I'd love to for you to expand a little bit more when you say choice is a skill and how that kind of ties into our emotions and the way our minds work. Because sometimes that what can happen is people get caught in their 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 stories and then they can almost get angry when someone tells us that we have the power to choose. Right. So I'd love for you to expand on that a little bit. if you Of can. course. Well, first of all, mind is everything is not only what your intellect is telling you. It's also mm -hmm. what you're, what you're feeling, what you're feeling. We relate feelings to our heart because our, our heart is able to perceive emotions as vibrations. Everything is vibration. We live in a vibration world. 
everything is energy. And that's science. We know that's that. Science. We know that. So I'm not creating <laughs> something woo-woo here. We're all in vibration, right? Just different mm -hmm. density of vibration. Emotions are also vibration. Thoughts are also vibration, right? And we feel the energy of both. We're able to relate to it because we're able to get sensations in our body when we feel something, right? And we're able to see thoughts in our, in our intellect whenever we think of an idea or a concept, right? Those ideas and concepts are inspired by the sensations that you have. So when you pick up on a vibration and you have a sensation about it, that sensation will bring a thought about the practicality of that sensation. What does that look like? What does that feel like? What does that smell like? What does that taste like? What does that, how can you listen to what you're feeling? How does that show up in your life? Right? So when I'm talking about choice, what you're really choosing is what you give attention to. Mm. Your life source, energy source is attention. Since the moment you're born, right, you need relationships and you need to know how to call the attention of those relationships, your parents, right? You have a diaper, you made poo in your diaper, you need to cry so that your parents run to you and change the diaper. You're hungry, you need to know a way to call for their attention so that you can eat, right? Sometimes as we keep on growing, right, we understand that whatever we give attention to is what's really in our lives. What we don't give attention to doesn't exist in our lives, in our present. Mm. And then we have inner intents, like what we really want or what we really desire to feel. Like, for example, when you approach, you, you like this, you're in elementary school and you like a girl or a girl likes you, right? And you approach that significant other with all of your heart and everything you feel inside and suddenly you get rejected. Right? It hurts. It hurts. You get all these sensations of hurt mm. that creates an image in your mind, right? And that then you create a study, a, a story to justify the sensations of that pain. So for you, Alan, the emotions, the feelings are the first mover, that first thing that, that we sense, that we experience. And then from there, our minds go into the thinking and the stories and the logic component. Is that because we've been trained to, like, our society, our society led has, us to... Our society has trained us or we've been conditioned to a certain degree to create our emotions through our thoughts because then we create thoughts that we emotionalize. So we believe that by controlling our thoughts, we can control what we feel. That's a fallacy, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Because whatever it is that you're paying attention to as essential, if the essential is your thoughts, your emotions will react for you to experience your thoughts. It's like when you go to a movie, right? You go to a movie and you're experiencing everything that you're seeing in the screen, the big screen, and your emotions are all over the place with everything that you're experiencing in the, th in the theater. Mm. Same thing. For good movies. Yeah. Good movies. <laughs> Same thing happens in your thoughts and you believe that your thoughts are real. So then you act upon your thoughts and that, that creates your behavior. You react upon them. But what if it was the other way around and you could really choose what you desire to feel by showing perspective? Since we're all vibration, you can increase at which you by in, in the level in which you vibrate so that the emotions that you feel are not behavior. Mm. Emotions are not behavior. You're not your emotions. Emotions are not identity. Emotions create awareness 
of your present, of what other people's are, other people are feeling and what you are feeling. Mm. And by actually being able to feel, you can create, you can be in the present by meeting your inner circumstances and, or the world that you've created inside of you and the world that's living outside of you. Emotions help us bind those world, worlds together. We find mm -hmm. peace when those two worlds meet. We find problems when they don't. So we look for solutions. Mm. So, that, so they're kind of colliding. They're fighting almost. It's, a, it's an inner battle that we feel. The inner battle comes, the problems come when we're only focused in what we, did, we want the outside to be like. Because we believe that whatever's happening outside us will dictate how we feel inside of us. And it's the opposite, isn't it? What if it's the <laughs> other way around and you can actually <laughs> choose so that you choose the way you desire to feel so that you create the thoughts that will create your life experience outside of you. Mm -hmm. Of course, there's a, there's a huge path to that. There's a training to that. It's a way of rewiring your mind, the way, rewiring your, the way that you look at things so that you're able to choose three things that you can really control what you give your attention to, what meaning you give to that which you give your attention to and how you act about it. There's really nothing else you can control. Mm. Everything else you're trying to control and that's why you worry, but you can't control it. Hmm. So if you master the art of choosing what you give your attention to, choosing what meaning you give to it and then how you act about it, you are your own cause and effect. However, that's aligned. I'll give you an example, right? For example, I desire to be a millionaire, right? So I choose to give my attention to money, mm. right? And making money. That's working fantastically. And all of a sudden I receive money. But the meaning of having money, I have a learned belief, for example, that people who have money are cheaters or are bad. If that were to be true in my own belief system, then I won't feel good about having that money and I'll spend it. I'll get rid of it because I don't consider myself to be a bad person or a cheater, right? Or any other belief that you have about money, right? Learn belief, whatever it is, like people that are, that have money are bad or people that have money don't pay attention to their families. They're only worried about money, no matter what belief you have. Right? So you paid attention to get money, you got your money, but now that you have it, you get this feeling that of the story that you told yourself mm -hmm, or that you learned from the relationships you had that create an inner reality about it. Hmm. So now that doesn't match with what you gave your attention to and what you wanted. You have a problem. You believe you have a problem. There's really no problem. It's just about transforming the perspective and choosing to give a new perspective, acknowledging that is the perspective that you have, and then choosing to align a perspective of what you really desire. So what I really desire is to feel comfortable with money, with the money I'm receiving so that I can create and provide myself the life that I desire and my family, the life I need, they desire with money and feeling okay with that. There's a process to get to that understanding. It's a training. And then I can choose how to act about using my money from the meaning that I gave to it. Because if I'm not aligned in what I feel about it, 
then my actions will react as giving it away or spending it too fast or not saving up or not creating a structure for that money to serve what I desire with that money to create that structure. Otherwise, I'll be just wasting it. We see that a lot in like lottery winners, right? Where yeah. somebody wins, wins, you know, it could be hundreds of millions of dollars and then just a few short years later, they're completely broke again. But that's, that's not because that's their relationship to it, isn't it? Is that, that's the inner component that you're describing right now, right? That's the inner component that I work with. Hmm. How to give your attention to the meaning that you really desire in life. And there's a, it's a very practical way to get to it. I'm not a psychologist. I am not a counselor. It's not a, a therapy. It's yeah. a training process. So I train my clients and my and then I coach my clients on integrating what they've been training on so that they get to choose. They get to mm -hmm. develop, develop the ability to choose. So Alan, so that's, it sounds awesome. And could we talk a little bit about how you train your clients and the skills that you're developing, like the skill of choice, the skill of navigating these things? Because there's a, you know, when I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about somebody in our audience that maybe they're in a really tough spot right now. They're, they don't like their job or they're, they want to do, you know, maybe they're working a crappy job. But really what they want to do is own a business or they're in a bad relationship. They want true love. They want to find their significant other. Like, what are some things from your perspective as a coach that if someone came to you and was just kind of miserable or in a tough situation, like where, where could they start from a practical perspective to kind of start building through some of these things? The first thing they have to master is their breathing. Mm. You see, our breath is intimately connected to our nervous system. So the rhythm at which we breathe is a rhythm at which our biology works. So if we slow our breathing, then we slow down, right? Is that kind of the... That's the first... If, when we're paying attention to our thoughts, like for example, let's say you're having a bad time at work. Like let's think about someone that's listening to this that's having a bad time at work, right? Mm. And all these thoughts are coming up. Like if I lose my... But I don't... I'm having a... I'm not happy with my job, but if I quit my job, then I won't be able to make money. I won't pay the rent. My wife is going to get pissed off at me. I won't be enough for my children, what kind of example would I be if I quit my job, et cetera. And all these thoughts, right, mm. are creating these emotions that you really don't want to feel, right? And these emotions are inspiring more thoughts about what you really don't want to happen mm. until you get really emotional about it that you just don't want that to happen, that you say, stop it. And what you stop is your job. Because you feel your job is creating all of this inside of you. And then you get the outcome that you actually didn't want it. <laughs> and all the stories that you told yourself that could happen actually happened. Your wife hates you for it. Your children don't look up to you for it because that's a perspective that you've given to that reality. Mm. So you act about it in that way. That's the words that you're using. That's the emotions behind your tone of voice. That is your, your, your body language is related to everything that you didn't want. So you actually created that reality. Now let's, let's go back, let's rewind, right? Mm. That same person that is having a bad day at the job, right? Instead of going into the bad day at the job, take a step backwards and breathe. 
get a comfortable rhythm of your breathing so that your nervous system comes back to the present, not to the reality that you're creating in your mind. Mm. None of that is happening. Where you're spinning out. You're none, spinning out in your head. None of that is happening yet. Mm. It's just in your That's mind. important to remember, right? We forget that, don't we? None of that <laughs> is happening. It's only happening in your thoughts. Your intellect is creating that because of the way you're feeling. Mm. So the way to get in touch with what you feel first is to breathe. Become aware of your breathing so that you understand that those are just thoughts and what's happening now in the present is that you're sitting at your desk at, at your job, right? And you can now choose to give attention, right? To what you enjoy about your job, for example. Mm. And then you say, oh, well, if I enjoy doing this, then I can create that. If I can create that, that would probably give me an ascension. Maybe I can make more money in my job by doing I really enjoy it. And you get inspired. And all of a sudden, now you're creating thoughts that guide you in a complete different direction. Mm -hmm. And you're connecting through those thoughts with ideas and concepts to other people in your job that appreciate what you're creating because you're enjoying it. So they get the feeling of joy by what you're doing. They connect to that feeling, right? And then they get creative and you get creative. And things all of a sudden take a different turn. Mm. just by one choice of where you place your attention. And it's interesting, Alan, because it all comes back to that vibrational component too, right? But like to how you're... To enter that field, you need to breathe. Mm. The first thing, like the key that you asked for right now for the audience, right, is become aware of the rhythm of your breath. That way you're back to self and understand this. You are not your emotions. You're not your thoughts. You're not your behaviors. Mm. You get to choose your emotions. You get to choose your thoughts. You get to choose your behaviors by what you choose to give your attention to. But you won't be able to choose what you give your attention to unless you're breathing coherently. So the breath is always where you start regardless. Like, let's it, get back to the breath first. Look at it this way. You have 50, about 50 trillion cells in your body, right? It's crazy. Okay. They all depend on the air you breathe. But guess what? There's also about 50 trillion living beings outside of your body. And they all, all depend in the carbon dioxide that you exhale. So it's sustaining it's life a, by breathing. It's a link to life. Mm. Trees create oxygen with the carbon dioxide that you exhale. They create oxygen so you inhale. So for everyone that's trying to demonize carbon dioxide, y'all, it's an important component of our healthy environment. Without it, trees can't breathe and cannot create oxygen. Not only trees, but the environment that we live on, right? So breathing allows us to connect to life. Not only our life, life itself, the energy of life that is flowing through everything and everyone and every living being. So we can be in the present just by starting to pay attention to our breath. So Alan, it's not a, it's not a, a it's not a statement to say that bre breathing is life. Literally breathing is life mm -hmm. for ourselves, for life around us. So that's why it's a grounding component of starting with the breath, because it's where all life begins in many ways, right? The it's breath. where all life is happening. 
Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's such a beautiful thing too, when you think about how how symbiotic that is, how everything is very connected and cohesive. We It's easy to forget that because of the idea of the separation that exists between us because we don't see all this stuff happening, right? We get to right in front of us. We get to separate ourselves from reality, from life happening in front of us, right? Because our ego or because we believe, we get to believe that our thoughts are what's reality. Thoughts are just a reference of what you're feeling mm. so that you can make choices. If you're breathing coherently, you can see that as, as, a, as a source of choice. Imagine that your thoughts, right, and feelings, which are emotionalized, which are rationalized emotions, stories that you've told yourself about what you feel, right, are your inner library. Mm. Where you can find resources to understand what is happening outside of you as a, as a resource, not as truth. Whenever you go to a, to a library, you want to research what has happened in the past that relates to what you want to create, correct? It's exactly the same thing that is happening to you when you have thoughts and, in, and feelings. Feelings are, emotional, are rationalized emotions, stories that you've created about what you feel that give sense to your life, mm. to your life experience, right? And thoughts are being created by what you're feeling right now. They're being inspired by what you're feeling in the present. If you're able to look at those as references, then you get to choose what information from your feelings and thoughts you can practically apply to the present. Mm. That's called wisdom. That's you can actually use imagination mm. and create something new and get creative and then get passionate about it. That's true conscious creation, isn't it, right there? Like looking, and I love, I've never, you know, I've thought about emotions as, or feelings, you know, as as reference points, flags along the way that are communicating with us. But I've never really thought about as thoughts as the same way. And when you connect those two things together, when you look at your thoughts and your feelings, they do become very powerful reference points. And if you're trying to create an intentional life, Observing your reference points to make sure that they're aligning with the life you want to create are crucial instead of being victims to our feelings, our thoughts, and being kind of ripped around by life, which is what a lot of us happen. And Alan, I, I'm, I've spent much of my life in that state. You know, I've had to do a lot of work to get out of that. I know a lot of listeners that are tuning in have done a lot of work to get out of that state. But it's amazing having all these different perspectives, though, because what you described I haven't really thought about thoughts in that way as reference points tied to emotions. Like, that's very powerful. It's, it's a library of information on where we are today and where we want to go. It can help guide us on that journey, can it? So, mm -hmm. Beautiful. <laughs> Look at it this way. When we find problems in our lives, right, is because we're believing our thoughts to be true. And our thoughts are usually coming through judgment, opinions, or assumptions. None of them are true. Mm. They're true to your experience, to your knowledge. But knowledge and experience are limited because they already happen. Mm. They're not happening in the present. <laughs> Albert Einstein said, knowledge and experience are limited because they, they are from the past. 
Mm. So he's a pretty smart guy too. <laughs> they're limited as references. Mm. Now use that knowledge, use that experience, get creative about the present and create the present that you really desire. There's no problem there. There's only adaptation or transformation. That's what nature does. I've never known anyone in nature or any living being of nature that deals with problems. Mm, but but you said they either adapt or transform, right? That's the difference. Nature either, nature either adapts or transforms. Mm. We are so you, you accept what is, or you change to, to navigate what's happening. Is that what you mean? Right. Is exactly. that the, yeah. No, it, even to change, to transform yourself, you have to accept what is, you have to adapt and then transform. Very true. Wow. So it always starts regardless with adapting and then either you adapt to what is, or you transform from the resistance. The resistance to adapt or to transform is called the problem. And you need to, what wow. you're solving is your resistance. Mm. Once you've solved, and that's the inner stuff. That's the inner stuff that you are projecting with the outer stuff. Mm. So I need to change my, my life partner. I need to change my job. I need to change, I need to change everything so that I feel better. What's driving that wanting to change everything is what you're not changing inside. What <laughs> mm. you're not adapting, what you're resisting to adapt to or transform to. And Alan, would you say though, it's also, it could be true too, though. And I'm curious what your perspective is, is you may come to a point to where you realize, well, I guess that's it. If you're looking at a situation and you are in a bad relationship or you're in a career that really truly is unfulfilling for who you are, you adapting to that, accepting what it is, and then choosing to transform it means that you're bringing knowledge into the moment of who you are, you're honoring what is, but then you're making an intentional decision to transform the scenario, which may mean changing careers or relationships, but it has to be done with intention and care. Is that? That is completely correct. If you don't adapt, you don't have a choice. Once you adapt, you're able to see everything that's possible and available for you to be able to choose. Mm -hmm. Otherwise you feel you're blinded. That's why you attack a problem. You, you believe that by attacking the problem, you'll know what the source of the problem is. And maybe you will. But the source of the problem will always be either your judgment, your opinion, or your assumption. So that's what you need to transform. That's what you need to let go of so that you can adapt to what's happening outside of you and then have real choices about where you want to go with intention. See, that's the sneaky thing though, isn't it? Is we are led to believe that change happens outside of ourselves, but true lasting change that reflects who we are always starts within and then it ripples out from within us, doesn't it? Completely. How about if it's not change? Change is also fiction. Mm. Change and need are both fictions of our mind. Mm. It's always transforming in, evolu in, in evolution. It's a, constant it's a constant transformation in evolution that we are. Mm. The present doesn't wait for anyone. Why do you want to make it wait for you? <laughs> you know, it's not, you're going against existence, aren't you? When you do that, when you really learn to feel right, you can get into a state of flow with the present and learn to give perspective to every moment and co-create with the present, really be part of life, integrate the experience. That's the difference between bravery and courage. 
Mm-hmm. I always say, for example, that fear is a gift, right? And fear is a gift because it can bring us to clarity if we face it courageously. Mm. If we face it bravely, we disconnect from what we value to attack that which is threatening what we value. Mm. I think we you shared about, a story. Yeah, about, yeah, I was just going to say, would you would you mind to share yeah. with the with yeah? That'd be to great. take it to an extreme, right? Let's say I'm yeah. hiking a mountain and I find a bear in front of me, right? Of course, I'm going to feel fear because my life is in danger, and that bear could really much threaten my life. It hasn't though yet. It's just a thought and an assumption that that bear has the capacity of threatening my life. Mm. Now, if with the fear that I feel from looking at that bear, I get brave, I will attack my assumption. So I will attack the bear to get rid of the fear that I'm resisting. (laughs) Once I kill the bear, I don't feel fear anymore. I feel great. I killed the bear. Mm. Right. But by in doing so, I'm also risking that which I value the most, my life. Because that bears. You might not win the bear. I might not win the bear. I might lose. When you're (laughs) you're being brave, you might win, you might lose. Mm. Because you're detaching from what's happening outside to only connecting to what's happening to your assumption of what's happening inside. And you're attacking whatever you feel is threatening that assumption you have. So there's no clarity but only about what you feel. Right? So, so then the you, distinction then. You feel like you have no choice. I had no choice. I had to defend myself. Mm. The bear wasn't even attacking you yet. It was there, but he could attack me. So I had to get rid of it. That's Based on the assumptions we carry, the assumption. right? That's the thing. So the bear becomes the problem. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we need but... to attack the problem. We need to get rid of the problem. That's, and Alan, from your perspective, that's disconnecting from the outside and the inside and just reacting based on our assumptions. And you become brave. But when you become brave and you get a solution and you get rid of the problem, your ego says, see, I told you so. Mm. You did good. Congratulations. It validates. It validates. validating. Then you say, oh, I need need this problem, solution, illusion, mindset. Because whenever I feel pain, or discomfort, I can engage in solving it. And that engagement gives me purpose, gives me a feeling of connection. And if I find other people that have the same problem, I get to connect with them that are dealing with the same thing that I'm dealing with. So now we get identity. We're part of a community dealing with a problem that we want to solve. And we get connection from that. And then we get a solution or we don't, we win or lose. But if we get a solution, we get a hit of dopamine and we're like, yeah, we did it. We solved the problem. We killed it. Right. We killed it. Look at the word. It's yeah. We killed it. We mastered it. We're on top of it. We're more than it. Mm. And a lot of that's happening in our society, isn't it? In many kind of cultural levels. Yeah. Yep. Whatever you want to relate it to. So, So then you get this piece. You're like, wow, no more problem. But you lack the connection again. You're like, where did that mm-hmm. connection go? It felt so good to be connected to getting that solution and finding other people that were in that same problem that I was. So let's look for another problem, which I need that connection. And I want to get to that solution because I felt great. So you get into a problem, solution, illusion mindset that detaches you 
from your original vision of what you really desired. Mm. So you never mind about the vision anymore. You're not connected to what you desire. You're just connected to the feeling of connection so that you don't feel lonely. So Alan, and that's, that's, I love that because it's, it's, it's bringing it back to how we can sabotage ourselves in ways without even knowing that we're doing it. And things can feel good that are actually not good for us in those moments, right? And that's, I think that's a great example, choosing the bravery path. But what does that look like if we rewind and reset on that and choose the path of courage? What does that look like? When we choose the path of courage, we're like, okay, I feel the fear. I can breathe that fear. Mm. What is it threatening? Oh my God, there's a bear in front of me. Oh my God, there's a bear. Holy crap. What could it threaten? My, what, the, the sphere I'm feeling is because there's the threat. What is, what is it threatening in me, my life? That's clarity. I can choose to mm. focus in what I really value that is being threatened, my life. And once I focus myself in feeling that value, in feeling my life, instead of detaching from it and risking it, mm. right? Then I can see what's really valuable for my life. I'd rather just walk away or find a way to just observe the bear, the bear, keep it cool so that the bear sees that I'm not a threat to him and he's not a threat to me, right? And we can observe each other and just pass by or walk away or find a way to climb a tree, preserve my life. And entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs, business owners, or normal people, whenever we have a vision about what we want in life and we see a problem, we get, we get brave and we forget about the vision. <laughs> we forget about the, what's really valuable that that problem is threatening. And we're going mm-hmm. to solving the problem and solving another problem and solving another problem, but we're never really giving attention to the vision. If we were just to give attention to the vision, then there'll be no problem. It will just be a possibility. Mm-hmm. We can choose another possibility because of the value we feel when we are connected to our vision. It's mm. good, man. Well, and, and from that place, you can pull from the endless well of creation, which is, that's the difference, right? Then you're Instead connected of, to life. It's not, exactly. your, it's not your life source energy that is, that you're using to solve the problem because that depletes you. Mm. What you're, what you're drawing energy from are emotions that only are sustained with your own energy, like mm-hmm. uh, anger, fear, sadness, uh, whatever you want to call it, right? Frustration, etc. They become your why. And mm-hmm. now you get inspired by those to solve the problems. <laughs> And you're that's de- an exhausting cycle. And you're isn't it? depleting yourself. Many end up yep. in burnout. Exactly. Yeah. So purpose a is lot. Not, purpose is not reason. A why is a reason. Mm. Purpose is a choice. Oh man, I love it. Well, because it always comes back to empowering the power that we hold as creators and individuals at the end of the day, right? Like that's, that's, we're not, we're not separate from everything. Everything is interconnected. We have to, 
We have to throw out the idea that man is on an island. We are not on an island. Everything is connected. And, but we have agency over our life. But the things that we have agency over are the inner states. That's really the world that we command. And that's, and you said it, I love it because it's not about controlling anything. It's about flowing. I, something that's changed for me, Alan, as I've gotten older and I've done this work is I view life more as a surfer now. I'm not even a surfer. I was, I, I lived in San Diego for almost a decade. So it's round surf culture, but I view it as that's what you, you're now flowing. You're surfing the waves. A wave could be big. A wave could be small. It could be huge. But you you navigate it by flowing and riding the wave. If you don't adapt with to it. the wave, it'll cross you. Exactly. You get taken under. You get hurt. You drown potentially. But if you adapt, it could take you to a beautiful island, a beautiful beach, wherever it may be, right? Like or if you worry the current. What, or if you worry what the wave is going to do to you, you never take a wave. Right. Because now you're in fear. You're, you're, you're afraid of the possibilities of what could be and you're staying on the sidelines. That happens a lot too, doesn't it? Or then you put in a lot of effort because of all of the possibilities and you keep on falling from the wave. Ah. <laughs> so you put it's, extra it's effort creating. that is not even needed. Ah. Because you might find you get up on a wave and it's like you're natural. It could be natural. You don't even, you're creating on these scenarios and it's not even relevant. If you feel based on any surfer, I'm not a surfer, but I know surfers. I did you live some, in Vancouver, so I, I know there's and, people surfing there. <laughs> and I did some boogie boarding in my life. And I know that when you're surfing the wave, you are the wave. You're feeling the wave. And then you choose how to navigate the wave. Because you're mm -hmm. feeling where the tension is coming from. And then you navigate it to the right or to the left. Or you hold on a little bit so you get pushed. You see where the wave is going and where, where you get more thrust. You're making choices. And you're becoming one with the thing. That's the difference. You're but not you're separating not and disconnecting. You're, you're observing and holding the space for it to happen. Mm. You see, there's, there's one thing that I love, and I think this will, this will bring a lot of insight to all, everything that we just talked about. We'll, let's take it to a notch of spirituality, right? Right now, spirituality is a big thing. Everyone is about meditation, about mental health, about uh, being able to hold a space for their life, right? Doing yoga and everything that, that brings a more healthy life. But mm. the perspective of how you look at this has a deep impact in how you experience it. If you're using meditation so that you manage stress, your point of focus is stress. Mm. So you see meditation as something that's outside of you something you need. There we go. Problem, solution, illusion again. Pain, then connection, and then solution. But then you finish, you finish you're like, okay, I finished my, my 10 minute meditation. Now I can get, go get stressed again. <laughs> Let's go get stressed again. And then I can use my meditation. So it's no problem. I know how to meditate. I can get stressed. Bring in the, bring in, bring in the stress. No. <laughs> Bring it in. Integrate meditation to your daily life. Be in a meditative state all of the time of your life. And this is the difference between saying we are human beings trying to have a spiritual existence. And by doing so, we feel dis-ease. Mm. So we feel that we get ease when we get spiritual. 
So we're trying to detach from the materiality of life. That's what causes disease. That's what causes pain. Because mm. when in your body, there's no light, your soul, your light being that is bringing life to your body. Because we all know that we, we're, I mean, a body is part of us, right? But we're much more than our body. We're our dreams as well. Mm. So our mind, our mind is also part of us. That's inhabiting this body. Our soul is inhabiting our mind and our body. Mm. Right? So why don't we bring our soul to our lives yes. instead of reaching for our soul? Love that, Alan. That's so it's the difference of saying we are human beings having a spiritual experience or having we're spiritual. We are actually spiritual beings having a human experience, bringing the light to life. That's it. To express and that's the aim, isn't that's it? it? That's, that's the where aim. you get if you get inspired by that, you're able to manifest whatever you desire. That's the work, my man. I love it, Alan. That that really is. And you know, I think that's a great, I think that's a great piece to close on because it brings, from my perspective, a, a really a, there's a lot of practical things that you talked about. I love, and I love that your focus point is starting with the breath. Like that's a great piece, is starting with the breath, especially if you're feeling stressed, angry, whatever, just coming back to your breath. But then closing with all this, our goal is to bring more of our soul, our life energy into our life, not transcend the world or escape the world or move away from the world. Our, our role as spiritual beings is to embody it, being human with the understanding that we are more than that. We are spiritual beings here, but ultimately the work is to bring our soul into the world. We it? are life. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, Alan, I, I really enjoyed our conversation. If anyone is interested in your work and what you do, where can they find you? I'm obviously going to list stuff mm -hmm. to your work on the, in the show notes, but where can they read? Thank you so much. If anyone that's listening to this found that anything that we've shared to get together today, Brandon and I, that it resonates with your life experience and you'd like to know more and you'd like to talk about how it resonated, I'm totally open to listening to how this resonated to your life experience, right? And see a way that in which I can possibly help or we can work together on it, right? You can reach for me at my webpage, which is www.quanticawareness.com, right? Uh, you can look for, you can find me in my Facebook, Alan Phillips is A-L-A-I-N space Phillips, like the, like the trademark, P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S. Right. And, um, in my website, there's, a, there's, a, you can click a button to schedule a 15 minute free phone call. Right. And we can meet each other and see if we connect in a conversation and see where we can take it from there. Awesome. Alan, well, I, re I really appreciate that. I'll make sure to link to, uh, that the link that you could schedule the 15 minute conversation with you as well mm -hmm. as the show notes. I'll put all your. Your, your website, your Facebook page, all that stuff too. I really, really enjoyed the conversation, man. It's, it's, um, it's refreshing having a coach like you that's really trying to integrate all this work, the, the mind, the feeling, the heart, the soul into that. Because really, I mean, from my mind, that's our world needs that more than anything, especially right now with where we are. So I really appreciate your time, Alan, and, and coming on and, and hanging out together. So Brandon, Until next time, my friend. Thank you so much for the invitation. 
Uh, it's been wonderful having a conversation with you. I feel that you are an excellent, uh, all the questions you made, every example that you looked for, you made this space possible for me to be able to share what I do with your audience. And I really, really hope that your audience can get a lot of value out of this, out of this episode in your podcast. And yeah, if you guys feel like some of this relates to you and you feel it resonates, just reach out. That sounds great. Well, awesome. Alan, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. So for, for all the listeners out there, uh, we do this weekly, as you all know, if you're a regular listener, if not, we drop new episodes every Thursday at 11 a.m. We got a bunch of great guests lined up as well. Alan is a phenomenal guest himself. Look forward to potentially having you back on again in the future, Alan. That'd I really enjoyed our conversation. So for until next time, y'all appreciate you, everybody's ears, eyes, and all that. So until next time, y'all. Thank you for listening to Order Within. If you found the episode helpful, please consider sharing, rating, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, y'all.